Welcome to episode three of the Sunfire Tavern podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Sunfire Tavern, uh, Instagram under Sunfire Tavern, and you can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Um, today we're going to be talking about um, quite a few bits and pieces, but we actually have a special guest first. Uh, his name's Chris Bison. Nice to meet you, Chris. Hey, everybody. Nice to meet you. Thank you for joining us as well. It's super cool for you to be on the show. Um, and we've also obviously got um, our regular voice of uh, uh, Ollie. I don't know why I couldn't remember no. your name then for a second. That's okay, man. <laughs> it's, hey, it's me. It's Ollie, the League of Legends player. Um, so, yeah, we've got a couple of things to go over this week, but uh, it has been a bit of a quiet week in gaming, I think, other than some mild drama with uh, a certain streamer that we might talk about in a bit. Mm. Uh, but Chris, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, what can I say? So, I'm a senior QA engineer, which basically means that I break video games for a living, and unfortunately, in Ollie line, Ollie's line of work means that I piss him off on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, we're actually old colleagues, and we used to work together quite closely. Some would say even too close, perhaps. <laughs> well, I like to think we're all doing our part to piss Ollie off a little bit each day. Mm. Absolutely. We're have you seen him part. trying to play League with me? It's absolutely fantastic. I've never actually seen him play League. The only thing I've seen him play at work is Dragon Ball Z. And he appears to be good at that because he looks very pretty. So. Oh, thank you. That is that related to his oh. gameplay at all? or? I have no idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, what else can I say? So... Avid game player since childhood, ARPGs, Diablo 2, you know, all the kind of good stuff is mm -hmm. where I kind of mainly dominate. Domicile? Home. That's what I would call home. Yeah. I'm looking for the word which begins yeah. with D, which it's is. It's okay. Yeah. So, sometimes, sometimes we struggle with the English language. I mean, I know I do. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yep. I get very mucking fuddled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, what would I going to say? There is very much a case of uh, really starting to look into the indie industry as well. Now, Ollie kind of set me off on that path a little while back, and I really like the modding scene as well and the kind of creative aspect that comes from people making video games and others expanding upon that idea. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a big thing that we don't really see much of in AAA at the moment. Um, but, I mean, many, many years ago, you'd have things like, uh, let me think of a game where mods was super popular. Uh, Warcraft. So you had Warcraft three, uh, mm -hmm. which is which is pretty much built on mods. Like the the game survived on mods, and then as these companies obviously got bigger and bigger and bigger, and the games got more and more impactful, that they reduced the amount of mods that people could build, and then they eventually just stopped it completely. Like Bethesda started charging people for mods, for example, mm. which is just terrible. So yeah, I, I totally yeah. get that. Like with, with the indie gaming scene, it's super nice to have the opportunity to to just kind of take that game, pull it out of its environment, and just do whatever you want with it. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, right. it's yep. it's super cool. Um, but yeah, sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Just to no, absolutely, no, no. Uh, I can definitely like for me. I've seen this happen. Uh, whenever there is a game that I'm interested in, I always immediately go for what has the community done with this? What have they tried to break it open and make fun of? Or have they kind of been able to get in touch with the developer? And what's the developer's response about? Uh, how they want to kind of continue the life cycle of the game. Because yeah. for me, I find that even when we look at something like Diablo as a franchise, 20 years down the line, a game which had no modding support on release, there are still active projects in development at the moment. People are re-engineering and reverse engineering the entire graphics engine which the game is built on from using Ollie debuggers and all this kind of stuff, which well, is basically looking at all this really janky code and 
reassembling it themselves and in, injecting new content into a game which is 20 years old. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a good one to use as an example because I think the the player base has been forever waiting for the remaster of that game. It, it just seems like the, the, the carrot may have been dangled for a little bit too long now. And I don't blame that people are starting to kind of take it apart themselves and and build their own new version of it. Because mm. we've had Diablo 3 for what now? Six, seven, eight years? Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe longer. I can't even remember when that game came out. But um... That's how much of an impact it had on the industry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I love Diablo 3. We were actually, um, so on Friday this week, a couple of us from, from work are getting together to do the new season. And I haven't oh. played Diablo in a while because you know when it came out on Switch and PS4, mm. um, I found that to be like the ultimate version of Diablo because it's just a lot more fun to play like on the sofa. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But now we're moving back to PC to do like the new season because the new season content does look pretty cool. Okay. Um, so we've got like you know Ben, Ben Wright. Yes. Uh, me and me, him, and a couple of like a guy who used to work with the Blizzard, and then um, another guy from King are all coming together to just kind of play this game together. And I like doing that kind of stuff; it's fun. Mm. Um, so yeah, so to that yeah Yeah, absolutely so chris what are you playing at the moment like what are your games of choice right now games of choice are flicking currently between uh happens to be action rpgs as well which is mainly part of exile from grinding gear games also neocore who have done the longest game title that you ever have to recite which is warhammer 40k inquisitor martyr um, which is just you add, and then you can have the Inquisitor Mata prophecy expansion, which yeah, it, it just goes somewhat. But both in a very kind of quick essence is going to be uh, looter shooter or looter kind of magic fighting based games. Yeah. Um, but I'm back with Path of Exile again. Wasn't planning to play the season content. I've kind of been playing the game for about five, six years at least now. Um, and I have a small guild and Discord channel which I look after, and we're just a close group of friends that get together once every three months, basically, for League launch. We play some games together, we kind of level together, we have a laugh, and it's good to check in and see how everybody else is doing. Some of the guys stay for the rest of the season if they like the content. I kind of flick a bit back in between at the moment as I'm waiting for the Path of Exile 2 release. Inquisitor Martyr, on the other side of things, is... It's got potential to be a really nice action RPG inside of the Warhammer universe, but I feel like what I'm wanting now is Neocore just to tighten up the loose nuts and bolts to give it that final bit of polish. There are still a few persistent bugs which need to be fixed, which are a little bit off-putting, but otherwise I think it's a really, really good product. Cool. I, I don't think Path of Exile ever really grabbed me. I don't know, Ollie, have you played it at all? No, I've never had a chance to play uh, Path of Exile, or many ARPGs in general, actually. Like, I've not really played Diablo or um, any of those kind of... And then there's uh, Torchlight. That's another one, right? That people yeah, so, quite Torchlight right now is is uh, under kind of heavy fire because they've... Obviously, Torchlight 1 was super popular, and then Torchlight 2 just smashed it again. It was a super successful game. Mm. And now Torchlight 3 is going into early access. Mm. And I, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about that, but putting a, a third game in, in a trilogy into early access doesn't seem right to me because they've already established the universe, they've established the characters, they know that they know the game works. They they don't need to do this whole like early access thing again. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and apparently, since it's been in early access, it, people are not happy with it. <laughs> They're not enjoying it. Um, mm. So I like it's a shame because Torchlight was a really successful franchise. And I feel like it might have kind of lost its way a little bit now. I don't know if any of you guys have played it at all um, in any of its iterations. 
I have touched upon, I think it was Torchlight 1 or 2. Uh, it didn't necessarily grab me. It was very much in my head. And unfortunately, a lot of the genre and games industry and ARPG kind of categories do ring as Diablo-esque. They are of that kin. And it's difficult for me to be able to have an unbiased opinion when I've seen something which has been done to a good level of polish to see another studio try and attempt the same kind of core gameplay loop. My partner actually had mentioned that Torchlight 3 was coming out, and I've known some people in the kind of same community as myself who were saying they've been in the early access or even the alpha and the beta of it. And their reviews of it are pretty sterling, and some people are looking forward to it. For myself, it's... It is very questionable. I definitely think what you've said there about going into early access on the third iteration of the game definitely doesn't sound like a very confident business decision. It's more, we're going to test the waters and see if it sticks and how much time yeah. and effort we're going to put into this product, which doesn't feel right. Yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say to me, like, we're confident in our product, because it's, it's mm. like if you look at the Tomb Raider series, so you go all the way back to the PlayStation 1 era and you see Tomb Raider 1 was, was an experiment. Um, originally, from what I remember, she was going to be... Um, so, so you were going to be able to choose between a male and female character. Um, and that her persona initially was like... Um, she was uh, South American or Latin American. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but her name was like um, Laura, Laura Cruz. Mm. And so what they did is they, is they obviously made a decision to only stick with the female character and then said... Um, you know, we're actually making double the work here. Why, why would we make it so that people can choose a male and a female? Let's just pick one. Mm. They stuck with Lara Croft and, and rebuilt her into Lara Croft and then did this whole British kind of storyline thing. Um, and that, that was like, that was their version of testing before we had things like early access because this mm. is back in PlayStation 1 days. Um, and that immediately smashed it. Like, like um, that they realized that um, Lara Croft was the franchise. Like, it wasn't Tomb Raider. It wasn't about raiding tombs. It was about Lara. Like, yes. obviously she was appealable to a lot of different audiences um it was a very unusual thing to have like a female lead at the time because at mm-hmm. the time all the other leads were male apart from samus who was in metroid yeah um and it was it was just super cool to see that franchise kind of bloom and to me that's all the testing it needed because then two three came out they started changing the the uh the environment a little bit but the core gameplay stayed the same and you were still always learning more about lara and mm. even now now that they've rebooted them they're still not doing early access on them because they don't need to because the, the, the game itself is solid. Mm. Yeah. It's now just more of that world, and, and it really does fill me with no confidence when you see a company that has put that many games away is mm. suddenly going back into early access on the same title. Like, yeah. it, to, to me, it would be the same as like um, a FIFA game in early access. Like They really don't need to be tested. Yeah, this is a household-recognized yeah. name. This yeah. is not something which you're trying to go, ooh, you know, maybe some people will like it. Maybe. No, you have a dedicated audience who are in love with your franchise. You just need to give them what they want. They don't need anything to be in early access. They don't need to see it beforehand. Just give them a high-quality, polished product. Yeah, it just sort of feels like... It, uh, so early access to me, and, and please do correct me if, if this is incorrect in any way, hmm. um, early access does kind of feel like it's more of a we just want to get the cash now. Like that's how uh, it feels to me. I think that is how some developers have been using it in the case of like they need a cash a quick cash injection at the time yeah. when they you know um when you know when they need it, right? You know, to, in order to keep going so that they can pay for the development costs to finish the game fully, right? 
However, mm. like I'm sure that's you know that's one way that some people use it, but I'm sure there are other developers who kind of use it in its intended usage, which is like, hey, this game is like, you know, not quite ready yet, and but we want people to let you know we want people to play it early, and uh, you know, we your feedback is very important, and it's going to help us like you know shape the future of the game essentially, right? You know, so I'm sure you get these, you know, it, it's quite variable in its use cases, but yeah, there are some people who just like you know, oh, the game's basically done, but let's just release it in early access to give us like yeah. an excuse essentially of like being like oh the game's like not really finished but we need the money sort of thing i think so. i think there's a pivotal point in the market where we saw this happen and yeah. for me personally when i look at this i think about kickstarter mm. and i think about indiegogo and these kind of cash grabs that we saw for people who didn't even have a game in early access they had maybe an alpha or even just a very very short demo or a teaser trailer and studios that would come together and say, we're going to del- deliver you this incredible, incredible product. You know, this is the kind of money that we need to bankroll it. And then there is nothing that follows. Mm. All of these people pledge money and this kind of sense of, sure, I can pay and I'll get early access and I'm supporting the developer and what they want to achieve. And definitely I want to see it as well. But at the same time, it's a promise of something. There isn't something kind of physical. There is very little protection for our end user. Yeah. Whereas yeah, I, I suppose you've got. Um, so the, the perfect example is Star Citizen. Like yeah. it's, it's it's always the perfect example of how it all can go really right and then really wrong. Because mm. uh, that game is what now hundreds of millions uh, on it's, Kickstarter. And it's, it's still rising so every day. Money. Yeah. And like, I, I remember saying because I, I remember saying about three years ago before I left France, uh, the people that I was working with back then, we were talking about Star Citizen. And one of the guys in our group had, had bought a ship for like 130 pounds or something. Mm. Um, and I said, you're never going to fly that ship. Like, yeah. You're mm. never going to be sitting in that ship because this game is never going to come out. Mm. But it is the most publicized, as far as I'm concerned, pyramid scheme I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> and I know that there's a game in there somewhere because there is like a playable version out there. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's like super bare bones. You can't do anything. The storyline's half missing. It has got a voice of like, it's voiced by Mark Hamill, I think. Mm who voices one of the main characters, but it's still, you, you watch that grow. And what happened there is that company started really, really small. And they had this idea, this very simple idea to build this, like almost like an Eve online clone. Yeah. Mm. And they just didn't expect every geek on the planet to like throw cash at it and keep throwing cash at it. Yeah. And that, that amount just kept rolling up and up and up to the point where it was like, well, they're going to build a corporation out of this. Yeah. And they obviously yeah. did build a corporation and then it all mm. just went crazy because they still don't have a game. Mm. Absolutely. I actually had the pleasure of being at Develop, I think it was last year. And while I was at Develop, there was a Star Citizen booth. And I kind of got to interact with some of the team there. And they were quite reserved. They were not very forthcoming about any dates or anything like that, as you can imagine. But knowing the story of Star Citizen, knowing all of this kind of time has passed, and they're still confident to be able to step out into a booth and go, yeah, we're still here, is very jarring in a lot of respects. I am very hopeful that one day the audience that have paid money for this product do actually see the game in the end. At the moment, It'd be nice. It, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like if you don't produce on what you have promised, Blizzard. Um, <laughs> hey, wow. I know. Sorry. Deep place in my heart there. I, I, I know. Also in, in my heart as well. Mm. And I think that's the big one for me, Clark. I, okay. I remember, I, I know we kind of briefly touched on kind of being in the industry. I remember growing up and thinking how cool it would be to work for Blizzard. And you went and lived that dream on my behalf. It was glorious. <laughs> and I, I'm sure that you had an absolutely fantastic time doing it. 
But there I did. Was, yeah, it's... I have no doubt. The the thing is, a lot of people seem to think that what I was doing was playing video games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get that feeling. And, and, and you have to try and remind people, you know, there's work to be done. Like, there's content mm. to be built. There. I mean, mm. at the time, I was a game master, so um, I was just this idiot that had been pulled out of my reality and kind of thrown at France and gone, now can you just talk to all the people in the World of Warcraft? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I guess, because I used to play WoW all the time, so I knew the world inside out. Mm. Um, and I would have people, like, um, asking me all these different questions and stuff. And at the time, I remember um, thinking that they were an inconvenience because <laughs> I hadn't quite worked out in my head. I, had, I hadn't got myself into the mindset that I was doing a job. I still kind of thought I was just being a gamer, playing games and stuff, and it took me mm. a while to kind of think, actually, no, this is this is a career. Like, I need to turn this into a career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I got like I will honestly say, working at Blizzard is the best job I've ever had. Like, it it, it doesn't even come close. It was such a fantastic experience, mm. um, and I, I yearn to go back to that experience. But I know it's not there anymore, yeah. Because yeah. obviously the company's changed mm. and the people have changed. People have left them, whatever. But for this little ten-year bubble that I lived in, it was a golden age. It was perfect. No, absolutely. But, but I, I tell people constantly, like, go and do your Blizzard. Like, go and like if you've got a dream to um i don't know be a archaeologist go and be the best damn archaeologist you can be go go and mm. do that like follow that dream don't don't disappoint yourself when don't get to like 40 years of age and think i probably could have gone and done that or yes. i probably mm-hmm. should have gone and done this exactly Absolutely. right yeah and it's it's what i tell a lot of people that i work with in my current role um cuz people ask me sometimes like you know how did you get your job or um like what what was your path and i said it was just happenstance, but if I could go back and make that decision earlier or do it again, I absolutely would. Yeah, mm. because yeah. I could, you know, I could be further along in my career path. Mm. Uh, yeah. But sorry, I kind of completely segued off onto my job there. No, <laughs> absolutely, fine. no, that's fine because mm. I think it, it really leads into an interesting topic from my side, at least. And sorry, Ollie, I'm really not giving you the air no, time. No, 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 no please go ahead. Deserve. It's really interesting to hear. So go ahead. So it's one of the hardest things that I can ever try and do is explain how somebody can get into the industry is QA. Because as QA, you turn around and go, yeah, I play video games for a living and I break them. But there is a lot more to it than that. And because of the creative nature of testing games, it's very difficult to be able to narrow down exactly what I'm trying to do in my day-to-day job and what Mm -hmm. my responsibilities are. Because you go, okay, yes, I take a feature, I test it, and I give feedback to the developer of, yes, this works or it does not work. But on top of that, I am the eyes of the player. I am the voice of the player. I am the guardian of quality. And I have so much more responsibility than just it works, yes or no. Well, in and- essence, you're, you're the part of the game that the player shouldn't have to think about. Because if the player mm. does think about the bit that you're doing, you're not doing your job. Because you, you would you're, imagine you're, so. You're, you're trying to give them the, the feeling of coherence, of like stability, and that the game is you know, stable. As soon as the game becomes unstable in any way, it's 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 you that they look at and go, you know, why wasn't this QA tested or why wasn't this exactly? Complete? And I, I think, think a lot of people don't realise that that's a big part of working in the games industry is that your job is to kind of build that experience. Yeah, and I think you touch on a very, uh, as as you say, very close to my heart kind of topic, which is we are often the bucks for when things go wrong. You know, how did QA miss this? Yeah. And having worked in the industry for a good few years now, I can definitely say that we probably have seen it. And we have probably been told it's not worth fixing. Yeah. Or it's not a priority. Yes. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's one of the most damning things as QA to be able to turn around and say, I really believe this should be fixed. And for the reason of time, money, or effort, 
you know, that player experience is impacted. And I've never let go of that. I will still fight and advocate for the player, no matter how many times I've been shut down, because I know what it is to enjoy and be involved in storytelling in the form of video games, to experience something. Like when we played through uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, for example, that story campaign, I absolutely personally fell in love with. The kind of gut-wrenching twists that you've got, obviously no spoilers for anybody that's listening, mm. but I absolutely adored that game. And I thought to myself, if somebody hadn't tested this properly and the game crashed or decisions were made differently, in one of those cutscenes, I was left hanging or something would stutter or it would freeze. The entire experience of that game is... It collapses. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So within the industry is QA, when somebody goes, okay, how do I become a tester? And I go, get creative. I go, get angry about something. And I, I do live by a very, very simple philosophy of if I have to do something at least three times or up to three times, anything more than that, I have to find a way to shortcut and automate it. And the beautiful part about being QA is you are encouraged to be lazy because it saves <laughs> everybody money and time. It does, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. I, I am a little bit conscious about going a bit too deeply into yeah, like absolutely. you know the industry and stuff because yeah. we obviously have things that we can't talk about and whatever. Yes. Um, right. So, but but it is super interesting to hear. Like, I I, I think there's there's space out there for um, for for like a, a platform to people to talk about their industry level jobs absolutely. because all, all you ever hear is like the executives and the 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 the, the, the executive producers hmm. presenting the title. You don't really hear from like the CRM manager or the the QA uh, associate or whatever. Mm. You don't you don't hear from those people and I think those people do have like really interesting stories to tell. Oh, definitely, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, I, I think can honestly say that, mm. that like working in the industry, I've met some of the most passionate and interesting people that are doing the most random jobs that I didn't even know exist. Even now, like when I'm supposed to be in a role where I know the whole company, there are still people that come up to me and I'm like, "Oh, what are you doing?" They're like, "Oh, I'm blah 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 blah." And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea what any of the words you just said are, but I'm going to Google them and find that out. Yeah, because mm. it's, it just amazes me that that there's so many moving parts. Mm. Yeah, definitely. There's mm. a lot that goes on behind the scenes that like players don't really get to see, right, or get to mm -hmm. really. To be honest, and to be honest, like you know, as a player, you're not really, or as a consumer, you don't really need to know about these things. But it's kind of crazy mm. that there are so there's so much that goes unseen behind, like behind the game, right, that you don't really know, mm -hmm. like, you don't really think about, because most people, when they think about video games, are just like, oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of devs, like, co like programmers and artists and designers, mm -hmm. they just do that, but there is so much more that goes on behind, like, like creating a game that is, like, it's insane, to me, at least. And, and I do think, as well, like, it's super easy to forget that you, you, while you might not have, like, a ton of passion for what you do sometimes, and you might kind of get a bit deflated, mm people really do connect to your content. And like mm -hmm. a, a really good example of that for me is I went to BlizzCon many, 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 many years ago. And I was just walking around with my employee badge hanging around my neck, but it was when I was a game master. And I always saw myself as a game master as like just, just some CS dude that was like not really part of the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And this, I remember we sat down to eat and we were eating burgers in the little um, courtyard area in the middle of the Anaheim Convention Center. And this woman, this, this crazy American woman just sat down and she was like, oh my God, you're an employee. What do you do? Tell me everything. And I said, well, you know, I'm a game master. Blah, blah, blah. But, but, but I, I, I probably sounded super mundane. And mm. she was like vibrating with excitement because she was actually talking to like someone that knows how the sausage is made. And then she was like asking me about like tickets and stuff and asking me about what players talk about the most and stuff. And I was just like, 
you really are interested in this and that gave me like a big boost that day because mm. and, and, and then she wouldn't leave us alone so she got a bit nuts but um... <laughs> speaking of going a little bit nuts yeah. something that i have definitely seen is the steam summer sale which is yes. going absolutely wild at the moment yeah, yeah. oh yeah uh yes i mean what speaking of uh i'm actually just before the podcast i've been sat here staring at what's on sale and i've kind of tried to give myself a good filter of what is worth me kind of putting my time into and of course i've turned around and i've seen hotline miami and immediately i'm like this is a game which i know is basically got a cult following and a cult classic at this point mm. it is warped it is twisted it is fast paced and it's action-packed and it's two pounds yep oh it's well worth it for two pounds like that. that's, exactly. that's not even a thought. and also no, exactly jedi fallen order fall, fallen order uh is 27 pounds on uh the steam sale and that game is fantastic Oh yeah. wow! Really? That's Monster pretty... Hunter World is sixteen pounds. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Wait, what? Monster Hunter World is sixteen pounds. Which Even is stops, so... Please don't take my money. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I've already played through Monster Hunter, but that is a steal for that game. Yeah, that is such. A, that is like one of the best co-op games I think I've ever played. Like it's such a great experience to play with friends. Uh, oh, and no, for sixteen pounds, that is a steal. Yeah, Hotline so Miami 2 is also on sale. I guess I'm going to have to buy them both. I can't have one without the other. It's like taking one puppy out of the litter instead of both. Yeah. <laughs> Ollie, what have, you, uh, what have you bought in the Steam sale so far? Have you not bought anything yet? So I'm going to be 100% honest. I have not bought anything in the Steam sale yet because I have a huge backlog of games to go through. And as I said last week, I'm still ah, going through, still going through um, Last of Us 2. Uh, but if I see Ori in the Steam sale, I will 100% pick it up because that's next on my list of games to play. Um, but looking through, I have noticed there's one game that I see every single time in the Steam sale and I always go, should I buy this game? And I'm not sure. And that is Armor 3 because I just have a specific, a very specific love for like these like Milsim games which are extremely janky to play and I don't know why. But the idea of playing Armor 3 to me is really appealing. Except for I don't think I'd ever have the time to actually sit down, find a community, and play like a proper game of Armor 3. So, mm. but, you know, for, for well, £7, you know, there's the hope mm. there for £7. Mm. Like, mm. Not to be that guy, but Ori and the Blind Forest Definitive Edition is £3.74 yeah. right now. Yes, well, I it's going, just... It's uh, going yeah. in my cart right now. <laughs> I was going to say, I've just bought it there. Yeah. Mm. Is, and, what about and... yourself, Clark? What have you found? Oh, God, my, my, it's, it's my backlog that's causing a problem for me. Mm. Um, but I am looking at Alex because I've got um, <gasps> a, a Rift S. Yes. And I've, so I've never played the the, the Half Life games, and I know okay. I should be someone that has played those games, and I've tried to. I just think I got to them way too late, and they mm. didn't really stick to me. Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, I'm currently. I, mean, I think we talked about this last week, but uh, I'm currently playing through The Last of Us for the first time uh, because that game was like massively overhyped, and now obviously the sequel's out. So I'm like. Mm. I'm going to see what this is like and i am absolutely enamored with it i love that game really like, really really enjoying it so i'm hoping having not had any kind of interaction with a half-life storyline so far but i sort of know what it's about uh, alex will land on me mm. but I, I just want to get it because i'm being told it's like the game to play in vr yes mm. right, I, yeah i think definitively like so i play a lot of vr i've spent a lot of time playing vr games like i was one of the uh vive early buyers you know i've been i a lot of my time at uni was spent uh, studying VR games and VR interactions. Um, but yeah, I think Half-Life Alex is probably like the definitive game. Like when you want to show someone like what VR can uh, provide in terms of fidelity, like graphical fidelity and interaction of the environment, I think Half-Life Alex is probably like the go-to now. Like before mm. it was probably something like 
you know, you probably introduce someone to like Job Simulator or something like, uh, or even like just Beat the lab. Saber. Yeah, Beat, Beat Saber yeah, is yeah. the is the sort of like repetitive game. The, the, yeah, the arcade game, right? That you're always going to come back to and play because people mm. like you know moving around, music, uh, the and it's extremely satisfying, and the visuals are, like pretty good, and everyone likes lightsabers. But um, for Half Life Alex to show you like what VR games could be in terms of like a triple A experience, I think it's like so good. It's a great. Well, have, you played, have you played uh, Robo Recall? Oh, so that's on my list of VR games to play because I I uh, I'm a Steam VR user, so um I haven't I know you can play like Oculus games using Steam VR with some kind of workaround, but yeah, I haven't had a chance to play Robo Recall yet. But I've seen footage of it and it looks pretty great. So you've got that and Storm something Storm Rage Rising Storm. No, not that one. No. Um, it's um Storm VR game. Let me see what it's called. It's called Storm. Oh, Stormland. Storm. So Stormland is is the next big. Um, I think it's out now. I think it came out recently, and it was too expensive, so I didn't bother with it. Uh, plus, mm. it's been way too hot to play VR. Like as soon as you put the ha- the headset on, I'm just dripping mm. in sweat. Mm. Um, but Stormland <laughs> was another AAA kind of top tier experience. And until Alex came out, that was the one that everyone was like, "You have to see this in VR." Yeah. Um, mm. But I, I still haven't played it. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, so uh, no, so so for me, not really anything in the Steam sale this time round. But I think I've got enough games and not enough time to play any of them, any of them as it is. Mm. Um, but there was an announcement um, last week, like a leak about an open world Harry Potter game, which I think has, if ever there was a game that could be turned into an MMO, it's Harry Potter. Yeah, I've, um, I've kind of always been wondering why they haven't tried it yet, because it seems like it's one got the fr- like the brand franchise potential to be massive right like so many people love harry potter so much and then two i guess like yeah there's enough game stuff there that it would be kind of interesting as yeah like to build like rpg mechanics around it right yeah well if you if you look at the i mean standing aside from the the author who is a complete follower of a human at the moment um she's just being terrible on social and we'll push that aside because we know that she's terrible Mm -hmm. um pushing her aside um, the, the way the world is designed is almost the design of an MMO. Yeah. Like, you know, these people come in, they're, they're like chosen randomly. They pop into this world where suddenly magic's thrown at them and they have to start learning it and practicing and doing spells and blah, 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 and, and going to school and, and, and turning their abilities up. It just seems like someone sat down one day and said to the horrible author, um, you know, this is the rules of an MMO. MMO, can you turn this into a wizarding world? And that's what happened. But no one's ever sat down and then gone, maybe we could turn this into an MMO. Yeah. And this is what this open world game actually looks like. It looks like that they've gone in that direction. I, I have so many, like my QA brain is just ringing with alarm bells at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm not even kidding. I'm going, okay, you've got the Hogwarts grounds. You've got people in classrooms. You've got all of the interactables, right? If I want to be able to cast Wingardium Leviosa on absolutely anything, I absolutely should be able to. And then there comes a problem with what restrictions you put on that universe. Can I cast spells in the school grounds on other players? Can I? Ha- what level of interaction can I have? Am I able to join the Dark Lord and start screaming Avada Kedavra down my microphone and killing other people? Will it be I- factional, Jermaine? Like, will there be a good and evil no, faction? No, I'm talking what can I get away with? Because in an MMO, oh. it's very much a case of... If I've got the Wizarding World at my fingertips, yeah, sure, absolutely, there should be factions. I definitely believe that would be a thing. But it's how do you police a community which now has been given magic? Yeah. That's the question for me. Well, it, so in my, in my head, 
Um, so it, it, again, I'm going to use World of Warcraft as an example here because it's the game I know. Mm. Um, in that game, you've got the Horde and the Alliance, two what? very different factions who both think the other side is the bad guys. Um, and you kind of come into the game as a new player, seeing the Horde as the baddies and the Alliance as the goodies. But as you go through the story, you realize the Alliance are actually trash. Like They're awful. Um, you know they, they've done terrible things to the the horde, and it, there's this whole thing about like learning who they are. And if, if you look at a game like Star Wars Online, you've got mm. the um, the rebellions and the, sorry the rebels, I can't what the, the rebels and the Sith. Yeah. Mm. So or whatever whatever the two factions were. So you can clearly see the two balances between good and evil. In Harry Potter, you've got Gryffindor who is whatever. <laughs> Slytherin who are bad and then the other two that no one really knows what they are they're just like I'm in Ravenclaw and I'm Hufflepuff and it's like cool yeah. Yeah. what does that represent <laughs> and it, just, it, it feels like if you pick Slytherin you're going to be a baddie if you pick Gryffindor you're going to be a goodie and if you pick yeah. the other two you're going to be like chaotic neutral <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this is where I feel like we should, like, you know, if we had someone who was like a bigger Harry, a big Harry Potter fan, they'd probably be able to explain to you ex- in exquisite detail, like, what each house represented, right? Because I feel like there are people who are, ex- I mean, I've seen on the internet people being like extremely, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, passionate, yeah, pa- passionate, let's say, extremely passionate yeah. about what house. Uh, in Har- from Harry Potter they are from and also that they will only interact with other people from said house because mm-hmm. and yeah I, I mean that's what I mean by the but, you know when I was saying earlier about the brand sort of potential I feel like yeah. it's a huge yeah. huge opportunity yeah. here right I think it's definitely got something and if somebody doesn't capitalize on that within the next couple of years I think this podcast is the beginning of something so look out viewership <laughs> or... <laughs> um no. I remember hearing about some leaks. So I know this the leak about the Harry Potter MMOs come out recently, right? But then I remember hearing exactly. a while ago there was some, uh, there was a leak or something about like oh there was some footage that leaked out about you know people testing a more mature Harry Potter game. I don't know if this is the same project or. Well, or... To to make a mild correction, it's a, not a leak about an MMO. It's a leak about an open world Harry Potter oh, game. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah. but I, I kind of moved that to the point where I'm like, well, why isn't there an MMO? But we are also in a in the yeah. time right now where no one's really making MMOs anymore. Yeah, because mm. they sort of had their heyday. They obviously there's a couple that are super well established, and mm. the rest of them have just given up because it is super expensive to maintain a live service like that. Um, yeah. at the level of quality because I do remember um, years ago there was Aeon which yes. was supposed to be the big killer and it was, wasn't very good because the, the support was terrible mm. and then mm. there was um, Wild Star oh yeah I which remember was, Wild Star yeah. well, Wild Star was amazing but they just there was no end game and they never added any yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah so that was terrible and then it was just each time like World of Warcraft just sat there and just went they'll be back and yep. they always are like people always come back so I know um, uh, a lot of people are very uh, sorry just you know, going on topic of MMOs, I know a lot no, of people are really into um, Final Fantasy fourteen. I hear that's mm. very yeah, good that in terms a lot. of MMO space. For mm. a lot, I played that for a long time. Mm. Um, so I played that one before because I don't know if you know that that game was completely rebuilt from oh, the yeah. ground up. Yeah, yeah. So I played it before it was rebuilt and it was terrible, but yes. I loved it because I, I think I'm just a sadist for terrible games. <laughs> um, and I pretty much capped out everything in that game, and that's that's a lot of time spent in the game. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but they they allowed you to transfer all of your progress over to the the remake. Mm. So like I walked into the remake as like what well, I said the remake the rebuild. Yes. I think it's the only time in history where um, a game has been launched and they've taken it back and rebuilt it from scratch and yep. started it again. The- I, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I can't think of another game that's done that. There is. 
Oh, hold on. There is something tickling at the back of my brain where a developer spent a huge amount of time and optimized the hell out of a game to be able to make it half the size and run it almost twice the frame rate as well. But I will get back to you on that if I ever remember what it is. It's not Skyrim. Right? No, no. <laughs> 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 it's the opposite of Skyrim. I mean, it does run on a fridge, but it does. <laughs> Skyrim is the only game right now that you can play on a pacemaker, I believe. Yeah. Oh my god! You can play on an Alexa. You can play on anything. Like yeah. it's it's mm. it's insane. Like, like you can walk into anyone's house and be like, "I want to play Skyrim on your daughter." That sounds odd. <laughs> I'm gonna say, like, honestly, that would be very much. I'm hoping that the daughter is named Alexa and just be like, Alexa, how many wheels of cheese can I eat? <laughs> like, <laughs> 50. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm so. Carry carry on. On. Sorry. Uh, cool. sorry, I just want to add on the topic of uh, Final Fantasy XIV, you know, you were talking about the remake thing. There's a really, really great documentary on a, um, on Noclip. It's a YouTube channel called Noclip, and they, they sort of yeah. documented the process of what it was like to remake. You know, why they had to remake Final Fantasy and the process of doing that and it's a really great insight into like development and also what a tumultuous time it kind of was to do that uh, it's really great really great watch Mm. That's super interesting, actually, because like we got to watch a little bit of the development as it was happening, because mm. um, they kept doing these live letters where they would bow and apologize for ten minutes at the start of every single video. Oh my god! Because like, literally, you know how in Japan they they bow and um, yeah, yeah, the culture, you know, right? They're, yeah. They're, yeah, they're also quite apologetic when things are not right. Yes. At the start of every single video for for the announcements that they were rebuilding, it, it was just them bowing for like five or ten minutes, going hi, 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 and then. Mm. It got to the point where I was like, this is really weird. Like, you need to stop doing this now. Mm-hmm. Focus on what you're actually changing and, and maybe pull back a little bit from the 10 minutes of apologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, we got to watch it. And it was super interesting to watch them kind of say, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. So we're going to rebuild this and rebuild that. And, and working in game development as well, like, it's it's interesting to see that they follow the same sort of mindset that you do. Yeah, mm. definitely. Do so you think if, if I was a developer, I would do that, and then they did that, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, maybe I'm a developer. Yeah, I mean, they took a <laughs> huge risk in uh, just rebuilding the game, right? But, I mean, yeah. it's still around it's... now, still ma- ma- like massively popular, so it seems to have worked out, right? So I would mm. I would uh, hazard a guess that it's probably the biggest global competitor to World of Warcraft. Most likely would... at this point, yeah, I think so. I would guess, because mm. I can't think of any other MMO out there at the moment, that um, other than mobile games, which I, um, I don't really counters direct competitors mm. so I, think they, I think they compete but in a, mm. in a different audience i think yes um but yeah so um i mean speaking of terrible people as well because we were talking about how terrible uh, jk rowling is if this uh, is a segue to me i'm going to be very mad <laughs> awful in the social sphere no so dr. <laughs> dr disrespect is a super popular streamer that most people have heard of yes i don't think mm. you could speak to anyone under the age of 25 and mention his name and they wouldn't have heard of him. Mm. Um, Twitch banned him yes. last week yes. for no reason. So we know what he's done in the past. We know that he walked into a public toilet with a camera on and accidentally filmed someone taking a whiz. Yeah, that was E3 uh, last year, right? I think. Mm. Yeah. May have been last year or might have been the year before because time completely slips away from me, especially with the lockdown. Yes. I don't know if it's currently April or August. I have no idea. I don't know when it is. Somewhere um, in the I, I don't know where sure. we are right now. I don't even know if we see it in 2020. Like, it feels like we're in an alternate timeline. Yeah. Like, you know that you know Back to the Future 2 where they go to the alternate 1985? Yes, yes. That's COVID. That's where we are now. <laughs> it's all going to be done, and it's going to be fine. We're going to remember a great summer. Uh, but no, so Dr. Disrespect got banned from Twitch, but for no reason. And yes. We, we know he's a toxic person. We know that um, he's been uh, instigating 
conversation around like COVID uh, conspiracy. Yeah, I read about that. So yeah, like the ban, I was seeing that he was saying some stuff about like, yeah, like COVID's like saying sort of like, yeah, making allegations that COVID wasn't really real. or There was some kind of like yeah. conspiracy behind terrible. it or something, right? Yeah. Terrible, terrible. Um, and what it brings me on to the point of is like, we're now in a place where we're actually starting to hold people responsible for their actions online. Yes. Like, mm. uh, I, I don't know if you've seen Reddit have just closed a ton of um, yes. Yes. very bad Reddits. Yeah, like the yes. Donald. Um, yeah, all those kind of things. Yeah. So it, it feels now like these corporations are starting to step up and say, maybe we do have a responsibility to silence some of these people. Just on the topic of Twitch banning people, I think Twitch also banned Donald Trump's Twitch account? Yes, they did. Really? And the Twitter yes. account as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it's just, I just find that I'd be interested to hear your opinions on it because I find that we're now in an interesting space in gaming where I know that I didn't realize until recently just how vile people online could be because yep. I've effectively just immune myself from it. Mm. And now it's more of a case of where people are starting to be held responsible for their actions because everyone is quite public now. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, like one in every two people is probably streaming. Yeah, and I think that kind of association of internet persona versus real persona is now blurring the line yeah. uh, quite significantly, which is you are more willing to engage with people and with the prospect of potentially... One second. Oh, no. <laughs> That's Chris's... Uh, no. uh, it's the bomb about to go off in my living oh, okay. room. Okay. Um, <laughs> For anyone listening, there is no bomb in Chris's living room. That yeah. was <laughs> Just to clarify, please do not remove yeah. me from all social media, yeah, Twitch yeah, accounts, yeah. or anything else. Um, <laughs> from Twitch, oh no. oh no! Look, my finger slipped. Whoops. Yeah. Um, no, it's a very, very interesting line, and I think something that I've seen is, or at least that I try and promote through my community and the people that I interact with, is be awesome, right? Like, look after one another. I had the absolute pleasure, and I will tell the story to the day that I die. Um, the absolute pleasure to have a VR headset courtesy of Ollie to be able to use. And I entered VR chat and there was a player in there who was a small little avatar, uh, you know, small, very cutesy thing, unsure of male or female or whatever they may go as. But this mm. character was kind of like trying to gesture and trying to interact with me. And I had a microphone and they did not. So I was like, okay, there's a space with a pencil. So I started writing in VR space and I found out that this person was on a mouse and keyboard, but they were mute and they didn't have the opportunity to be able to speak. So what I ended up doing was I found this, uh, fortunately linked by a friend recently, that in VR chat, there was a signing world that you could take somebody to and you could kind of introduce them to this really wholesome concept. Through signing. To sign language, yeah, and yeah. so that this person not only because they were right, the logistics of doing it, I could see how difficult it was for the player as well. They were writing in 3D space with a mouse and keyboard, which was no small feat at all. Not easy. It's, it's difficult to do with just yeah. the hand. Exactly. So it's a bit janky. You don't get the pressure when you put exactly, the. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I said, okay, I've got to be able to try and leave better than I found. So I knew of this space, and I. I'd logged off and I went back on and they said, oh, I thought you had gone for the evening. And I said, no, no, I actually came back because I wanted to show you this place. And I took them across and there was this incredibly wholesome community. And it just touched my heart because 
there were people who were signing for this person and the person could understand all of their gestures. And I thought, holy crap, that's awesome. And the question was, are you okay? And this person had turned around and said, yeah, thank you to this guy and pointed at me. And I was just like, my heart it <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing that I want to build as we go. Like I don't, entertain people being rude because they're angry i don't entertain this idea of you're okay to be abusive because you don't know somebody yeah and it's, it's that feeling of kind of putting out what you want to get back and absolutely my, my baseline is just don't be a dick yes right? you you can have fun with your friends and you can be a little bit gross to them every now and again absolutely there are points where you just have to stop and think i've been quite mean to my friend today and i, I shouldn't be that way anymore yeah. but if you, if you go back 10 years to when i was playing like what was I playing online? I don't know, Destiny. Mm. Um, we, we'd be yelling at each other and like dropping expletives and stuff, but now oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a lot more conscious of the fact that while that is kind of the language of a gamer, it probably isn't the language of an adult gamer. Yes. I agree. Or someone that, that wants to be a good person. Mm. You know, like I want to put out what I'm, what I'm getting back. And, exactly. And it's like, it's like if, if you've tried to play um, Overwatch now in, in the European servers, awful like it's absolutely yeah, yeah. awful really? yeah the the and i'm sure the same in league of legends or yep. uh, um any other generic mobile out there i'm not saying league of legends is a generic mobile i mean a copy of league yeah, mm. yeah. um and, and and the community is just vile and, and it's this kind of thing where i look at it and think i play games to have fun and i'm just not mm. enjoying this toxicity anymore like it's absolutely that's the bit that sucks and i i'm I'm, this is why I'm kind of hopeful about the Doctor Disrespect ban. Mm. Is that it says to me that these companies are now trying to do something about this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it might it might mean that we end up with gaming passports or something, so that you're connected to all of your avatars, mm. and if you do something on one of them, then all the other avatars get penalised as well. Which I wouldn't be too far against anymore. Ask yeah, me ten cool. years ago, I would have hated it, but ask mm. me now, quite like that idea. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that, and I think. Even in a game like League, so I had the pleasure of watching Ollie play a little bit of League and in the second kind of quarter of the year. And I've never played the game, and all I knew about it was toxicity. And it was the major reason that I never played it. I've, I've actually really enjoyed playing against some kind of like AI bot games, learning the mechanics, learning the intricacies, and learning the kind of strategy behind the game. But whenever we've played against players, I've always kept my attitude of, imagine that these these enemies are the same as the bot, okay? I don't need to change my perception of how I need to play. Sure, I need to be a little bit more responsive, but the stakes haven't changed. I'm playing a video game with my friend. If my friend feels a different way, and it's aligning yourself with a same group of players mm. who have the same objective or goal, what are we here? Are we here to win, or are we here to have fun? Yeah. And which one is more important to you? And I think playing with Ollie, like we have a very similar mindset and we've kind of discussed over this topic as well. Yeah. Is Ollie, I think probably, I don't know if you've already spoken to Clark about it, but you've kind of been preaching a very good bit of wisdom recently. <laughs> no, you've been preaching the, not Dog of Wisdom, the 40-40-20 rule. Oh, I don't know if it's already come up on this for, one yet. For yeah, I mean, yeah, for competitive League of Legends, um, I mean, yeah, if we want to discuss this thing in detail, but uh, basically, from playing so, I previously when I played League of Legends, I only played with friends, um, just because that's how I, much like Chris is saying, like I just didn't want to have to deal with the toxicity of other people uh, and deal with like you know enemy teammates, enemy sorry enemy team uh, like talking crap or like having the what the real thing for me is having teammates who are like flaming you and who are like uh, just saying hurtful things. 
just because they're frustrated and they're taking it out on you, right? Yeah. Um, so then uh, I kind of eventually, you know, playing with friends and eventually getting used to it and just kind of, you know, eventually you get numb to it, right? But then you, you, get, num- you get numb to the, to, the, to the people being toxic or whatever and you just kind of like, just reply like, okay, and then you just mute them or we just ignore them, right? So now that I've now started playing solo queue because of the uh, sort of like whole coronavirus situation needing to spend some time doing something, uh, I decided to, you know, start solo queuing, right? And what I've noticed from playing solo queue is that it's extremely toxic or like like the people who who play the game have uh, extremely like the the sort of like mental like their me- their mental attitude towards the game is like very very uh it's not healthy it's not good because people kind of play the game and they they expect to sort of like win every game or you know they're they're only motivated purely by the win screen and because of the game that League of Legends is you physically can't win 100% of the time because there's always going to be because it's a team game and you can't 1v5 even though you don't you, you don't have full agency over the game because one of your teammates might be having a bad day for example right and yeah. they're just not playing well and therefore because they're not playing well you can't win like you can you can try and you know carry as much as possible or try and 1v5 or whatever you want to call it as much as possible but it means that you can't win because of that person, right? And that's, you know, it's not entirely their fault. You know, f- sure, you know, they you, sometimes you're the person who, who is doing the same thing. Sometimes they're the person who's doing the same thing. The only thing you can do as a player is kind of um, just play your best and try to enjoy the game as it is and imp- and focus on personal improvement with the game, right? Mm-hmm. Most people, when they play League of Legends, they just want to see the win screen, which is, and that's their best indicator of improving and seeing the LP number or their rank go up, right? But to me it should be more like the windscreen or you know your lp rising is the fruits of your labor right like mm. you should focus on your f- improvement of yourself and how you're playing and focus less on like what your teammates are you know you know, obviously you need to adapt to what your teammates are doing right but you know like if you see someone make a poor decision don't flame them for it don't you know try and try and then like immediately try and like be this person who like you know shouts at them or whatever or you know, you feel like you're inclined to correct them, right? If they ask, then sure, you can share your opinion on, on what they could have done better, right? But, mm. you know, it's it's more like it's, there's so many people just get so aggressively angry at other people for because mm. they, they feel like they've ruined the game for them. But I don't think... I don't think it's like healthy to look at it that way. You just have to be like, okay, what's what can I do in this game that would be good, right? You know, oh, uh, let me try and get 100 CS, uh, or you know, like get like 80 CS a minute. Uh, sorry, 80 C- Wow, 80 CS a minute. <laughs> that would uh, be eight, what, eight, what, what's CS? Uh, creep score. So it's just like you know, oh, lost hits. As right? in killing the the, the thing. The little or... minions, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so it'd be you know, you, you, I play you, I play Heroes of the Storm, so we don't have that problem. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, so, so so it would just be like you know, you set these like smaller goals for yourself as a player, and you'd be like, did I achieve my goal? Like, did I work towards that goal? Awesome. Like, even if I lost, I still achieve that goal, right? Or it might be like, I'm going to try and not die more than three times. Or I'm going to try and, you know, uh, obtain this objective on the map consistently, right? Um, and I think that's a much healthier way to, like, look and play the game. The other thing that Chris was talking about, which also ties into this, is the 40-40-20 rule, which I read about. Which is that 40% of the games that you play, you automatically win because someone on the enemy team is basically like having a bad day and they just kind of yeah. throw the game away, right? 40% of the other games you play uh, are going to be like automatic losses for you because either you or someone on your team is doing the same thing, right? Uh, so there's going to be, the, so there's those 80% of games. And the 20% of games that happen are the ones that you have like 
true like the true agency over they're like the very high skill like tactical games where both players both teams are like playing at a very high level and everyone no one's really making that many like obvious mistakes and it becomes like more of like a very tactical game and i think with league it's like you want to basically just prepare yourself for that when those 20 percent of games happen you're in the best state to play them and that's where like the true that's where i really enjoy the game right when when you get to that state where it's like a very tactical and it's like even if you lose you're like oh man that was a great game but whatever right you know so i think just to round off the topic of uh this kind of positivity that we've been talking about that we would love to see instead of the toxicity yeah yeah i think something which brings me immense joy is people keeping positive even in the darkest hour yes right yes and that's in life in video games and i had the absolute pleasure of watching the world's biggest u-turn in a game of league of legends <laughs> the other night and i honestly if clark even if you don't you, you like the mighty ducks right for the underdog story you like you know karate kid for the underdog story <laughs> of all the things you were going to ask me if i like then it wasn't the mighty duck <laughs> yeah, i'm sure i'm Clark, absolutely you, you, you're sure you're like a kind of guy that likes the mighty ducks yeah that's yeah. that's that, i yeah. mean you've got me Caught me. Gotta, yeah i'm sorry um, yeah. I've seen the brands and like all of the kind of merch in the background of your room. It's fine. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a huge. My it's my tattoo that gives it away. I think the face. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah, face yeah, tattoo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the wings either side and the yeah. beak over the lips. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well spotted. But yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> when I was watching, it's the story of an underdog, and everybody wants to root for an underdog. And I was watching Ollie play a game where, if you look at the graph it went down to the marina trench on how poorly they were doing yeah and you can see in the last few minutes of this match this sudden turn and this incline to being able to break and breach the surface of the water and breathe and come back to that victory and that team didn't give up they didn't flame they didn't scream they didn't shout even in that very moment where they couldn't possibly foresee winning somebody made a mistake somebody made a good play and the outcome was changed entirely yeah yeah well it's, it's this whole case of like people trying to spot their moments where they shouldn't rage and instead go okay that was a bit crap like we, we didn't do well there but let's mm-hmm. you know let, 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 let's get together do the next engagement and do it right like mm-hmm. I, I find it in 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 overwatch and, and less so in heroes because people in heroes i do find are less inclined to come together and they just go and do their own solo missions constantly because the maps are so big yeah mm. um but in overwatch like you can have a few failed encounters where someone's just getting killed constantly mm. and then you can kind of say look why don't we just try one where we all go together and then guaranteed mm. you'll take the point like, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's that moment where you, where you kind of feel like you've instilled that value in other people to say maybe you're being toxic but we can get past this because yeah. it's not yeah. about pointing someone out and saying you're the one that's toxic it's more like mm. okay i can see that you're annoyed but let's yeah, let's make this a better forward. game. Mm. Like, uh, yeah. Another great anecdote I heard from um, one of my favorite uh, League of Legends sort of like content creators, streamers called um, Saber. Uh, he has this mentality towards your teammates, where you know your teammates aren't bad; they're just making mistakes. When you flame them, you make your teammates bad because that's what tilts them and makes them like start you know <laughs> getting angry and stuff, right? Mm. So you should never really flame your teammates like you should never mm. never like complain or say anything that kind of that because you know he 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 believes that you know if you flame your teammates you'll probably lose like 20% more of your games because you're probably just tilting someone by flaming them right so it's it's in your best interest to kind of just stay positive if you want to think of it purely as like a 
increasing your chances to win most you should just you know having a positive mental attitude is like super important i think or like super it's, it's like helpful because you don't lose anything by not flaming someone right like what do you what do you right. personally gain by being a dick on the internet or being a dick yeah. to someone right like do you, i guess you, you get yeah exactly you, you get anything right yeah i think one of the best examples of this is I always imagine myself back in school, and if every time I made a mistake, my teacher screamed at me instead of supporting me and encouraging me, the few times that it, that ever happened, that I felt shame and guilt for not knowing something, it made me ball up, and I was incredibly shy, and I was hurt, and I was angry. Versus when somebody took the time, you know, I said, hey, I don't understand, and they took the time to help me learn and understand. I will forever cherish that, because somebody cared enough to be able to do that. Hmm. Well, it's, it's because people um, tend to react better to positive feedback rather than exactly. negative feedback. Because yeah, exactly. if, 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 if I do a project at work or if I do something in, re in real life that I want feedback on, I'm not mm. looking for people to say I did a good job. I'm looking for people to say how they think it could be improved. Mm. Yes. So, like, I'll present my work and I'll be like, okay, this is what I've done. Tell me what you think. And they'll say, so someone could say, well, it looks a bit shit. And I'll be like, well, thank you for that. That really helps. Mm. Or someone could say, all right, I'm not entirely sure why you came to this bit here let me offer you what i think and then we can talk about mm -hmm. it and that that just opens up a huge doorway to kind of yeah. get better and feel better mm -hmm. exactly. and it's it's because people are responsive when people show an interest they show they care and not being a very empathetic person it's taken me a long time to kind of realize that <laughs> mm -hmm. no i absolutely get that and i think it's one of those topics that we could easily dive into and i will absolutely love to chat offline with you guys about it at any given time because yeah. it's one of my biggest passions, which is communication and how we speak and interact yeah. with others. Well, I'm also super happy to have you back whenever you want to talk more because it's yeah. been a super good session. I'm kind of conscious that we are closing in on the hour now because yes. uh, we've got about uh, three minutes left to go. Um, but it's been fantastic having you on uh, today, Chris. Like, I'm super thankful for your time. I like, thank you for your insights and stuff. It's been cool. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, there is uh, kind of the unofficial podcast where we all hang out in discords anyway and just talk about video games anyway, so yeah. I'll be happy to do this at any other point, but yeah, it's been a real, real pleasure, and yeah, I think I've learned a few things, and maybe next time I'll rein it in a bit and let Ollie speak a bit more. It's <laughs> fine, man. It's fine. Ollie's not allowed to speak anyway. He he knows this, because I talk oh. until the sun comes up, so... Mm. That's um, no, no, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. Like, thank you for you. And, and I guess it's probably a good time to wrap it up there as well. So yeah. uh, just from me, um, if you want to follow us, uh, please do so on Twitter uh, or Instagram. And it's at Sunfire Tavern. Um, otherwise, you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, iTunes. Uh, you'll probably hear it playing off my balcony at some points as well. So if you just come and stand outside my apartment, you can probably <laughs> enjoy the podcast there too. That's where uh, you'll normally find me on the weekdays. <laughs> <laughs> there have been a few times where I've looked out my balcony and Chris has just been lying there. Yeah. Like winking at me. It's been very strange. Hmm. Um, but Chris, any final words from you? Thank you very much. Be nice. <laughs> that was it. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, just yeah. need to insert the Discord disconnect sound yeah. at that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ollie, any, any final words from you today? Um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, hopefully my League of Legends in-depth chat wasn't too too uh, <laughs> too off the wall, but uh, you know, it's just thoughts I've been happy for a while. But yeah, um, thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully you guys tune in next week for some more some more gaming discussions. Cool. Mm. Cheers, guys, and th again, thank you, and uh, have a good week. Take care. See you guys. See Bye. ya.